Hello and welcome to another episode of Inter Club India podcast, where we talk everything Inter, the previews, reviews, transfer market, and everything in between. Tonight, we have a special guest, Rahul Sharma, who you know as Uncle Sharma on Twitter and every other channel. Hi, Rahul. How's it going? Hey, everyone. Thanks for having me on the best uh, number one Inter podcast from India. But yeah, obviously, I was hoping to be in better mood today. Um, but yeah, here we are, Interisti, still soldiering through. So diving straight into yesterday's match, were we just naive to believe that we had a chance to beat Real Madrid? I mean, was it contest stubbornness with 3-5-2 that cost us? Or was Real Madrid actually so much better? Because coming from the first leg, I thought we had a chance. Real Madrid were there for the taking in the first leg. And we thought we could put up a fight yesterday, but it all crumbled. I mean, what do you make of the match? Yeah, no, I think you're completely right. You weren't, we weren't naive to expect something. I expected something from this. As you said, Real Madrid, you know, injuries, Benzema, Ramos, Casemiro didn't start. So we, we were definitely, they were definitely there for the taking. In the first leg, you know, I saw Inter getting through the defence very easily every time pretty much we attacked. Um, Conte's stubbornness, is that the reason? Probably, yes, you know, he's continuing... Is the three five two that is kind of more like a three four one two, which is you know infuriating. Um, last year we were the team with the best defense in Serie A, the second best attack, and he's kind of deviated from that that style of play that we had last year, which is very confusing. Um, but yeah, I think Real Madrid weren't that good. They weren't impressive in both legs, but Inter were just the worst team. Especially yesterday, it was just Real Madrid on the pitch for me. There was no Inter never turned up. Um, Conte before, before the match said it was a final <laughs> if that's how we play in a final I don't want to see us in a final ever you know very very disappointing very um, you know that's not what I was expecting and yeah what, what, what do you guys make uh, all of make it of it all yeah and the Vidal situation wherein like he completely lost his mind and let the team down let the fans down and with, as you said, if he's playing 3-4-1-2, I would prefer seeing Ericsson in the role and he just subs him in like final five minutes. And what do you make of that? Like, he does he want him in the squad or what is happening there? Yeah, the Vidal thing, obviously, he's the, the guy that Conte wanted so badly. You know, he was doing, you know, hissy fits to get Vidal. It was supposed to be Tonali. You know, most Inter fans wanted Tonali, but it ended up, you know, the board, you know, accommodated Conte's wishes um, and Vidal 66. Uh, I read today that he has 66 appearances in the, in the in the Champions League, but you couldn't could you couldn't tell that out there, could you? Yesterday, he was the one being naive and behaving like a petulant child with the with the referee, which you could have argued it probably maybe was a penalty. Um, it was a close call, but you could you don't behave like that, you know, on a on a Champions League stage, and. Um, yeah, the Ericsson thing, that was almost humiliation, I felt like, to Ericsson, you know, four minutes left at the end and you bring him on for Lukaku, like, what do you expect him to do? Like, that's just, that's just confusing. I want, I hope one day we get some sort of explanation what has gone on in the, in the background. Has Ericsson, like, done something to Lukaku, to, um, to Conte? Is he, like, tried to sleep with his daughter or something? Like, I don't understand, like, what is going on there? Like, He's, he's been absolutely humiliating in the, that substitution yesterday. Manish, coming to you, like we were predicting 3-1 win for Inter in our preview and 
we just got hammered by Real Madrid. As Rahul said, we didn't even turn up yesterday. It was just 11 dead bodies walking against Real Madrid. What's your view on the match? Uh, first of all, thank you, Gautam. And welcome, Rahul, to the show. I'm glad you joined us. So, like, uh, last week, we had a prediction round and I predicted Inter to win 3-1. Previously, I think in the first leg, I predicted a reverse. Uh, Real Madrid to win 3-1. But I was so impressed with Inter's performance. Uh, the first leg, I think Inter played really well, took the game to Madrid. Seeing on basis of that performance, I expected Inter to take this match. And especially with injury crisis, I thought now is the best time to attack a wounded Madrid. But uh, like you said, uh, Zidane clearly outplayed us. He outperformed us. He knew exactly Conti's stubbornness in the formation. And I was so impressed with Zidane's tactics. I think he used a certain tactical fluid formation. Like everybody could, it was overload in the left wing, overload in the right wing. He clearly exploited our defense. Uh, I think on one side, we had Hazard in the left wing. Then over that, the left back, Mendy. Also, adding to the same wing is uh, Nacho. So it's like complete overload. So our players felt confused because uh, Conti, you know, you know, Conti prepares his team really well. He prepares tactics so well that our players are like drilled into that training sessions and stuff exactly what they're told what to do. But something out of the blue comes, they're clueless. That's what happened yesterday. Our players seem absolutely no clue. What is Madrid playing? <laughs> it's like Real Madrid, especially with Luka Modric and Tony Cruz. They were running circles around Gagladini. Like, and, and midfielders was completely like, uh, I don't know what to say. It was completely, they dominated the match. Uh, as opposed to the first leg where we had much more control and much more chances. So I don't know what, uh, normally they say Lukaku is not meant for the big games. But if you don't use Lukaku in these games, where, where do we use him? So I'm really surprised, like, <laughs> actually lost the words. I'm not feeling that bad because if we'd have played really well and then lost, yes, that would hurt. But completely, we had, like, no shots in target. And only Perisic, I think, last uh, 10 or 15 minutes came and troubled the Madrid defense. Other than that, I think we were toothless in attack. Absolutely, like, uh, poor performance. There was no motivation. There was no hunger to perform. It was like pretty much uh, like Conti decided, you know what, let's let's go out of Europe and just focus on the league. It felt like that way for some reason. Omeshwar, coming to you, do you think like Conte has just resigned to the fact like this will be his last season and now he doesn't even care anymore? He'll just stick to his team, stick to his players. Even the players you got, they're on a two-year contract. Like right? You got these guys, experienced guys into the team to make a difference. But you have people like Barella and Bastoni making a difference, and they are kids. Like, where has it all gone wrong for Conte this year? So, yeah, uh, first of all, you know, uh, uh, welcome Rahul Sharma on the channel. Thanks for being a part of this. And, yeah, you know, uh, to address your first question, Gautam, as, where, where, uh, if Conte has given up on the project or, like, he doesn't care anymore. No, I don't think that's the case because... You you see his recent press conferences, uh, the one before the Madrid game also. He was like he was proper pissed off, like uh, he he didn't really want to face the journalists and all. And right now also a few an hour ago or something, he was I think asked right outside San Siro whether he deserves to stay in the job or not. So he was like, uh, you know, if if by winter the club decides to sack me, then it's because I don't deserve to be here. So, you know that's what he said. So yeah, it's 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 a bit of a gray area, right? Because 
ideally if you if you look at the conte from like a normal antonio conte you know who's passionate about his work and determined uh, determined to win he wouldn't say this he wouldn't you know put a, a, a doubt, put doubts over his future so yeah um, and coming to the match you know uh, as uh, rahul said you know the I, I, it, it's it's so obvious like because if you have a chance to pick players like eriksen in the 11 you know who could really make a difference in this game why not you know you could see galliardini making silly errors you know he as soon as he got the ball he would release it to players without even looking if they are being pressed or not so you know if you remember he passed it to ashley young that almost led to poland uh, mendy scoring a second goal immediately so yeah i mean i don't know what to say because i have a, I, i just get this feeling by his recent press conferences and the way he conducts himself on the touchline that he has more of a defeatist attitude recently you know um, like it and it's transmitted in the players as well like you see it on the pitch even players like barel at times look lost and vidal i don't know what to say i mean he's not uh, up been up to the mark so yeah it it's a it's a tough one to call right so yeah let's see i mean hope and at, over the weekend we've got another tough game you know that probably is crucial for his future you know sasolo so it's a tough one to say i mean i guess i guess if he thinks he has until winter to be judged so so be it so yeah let's see how it goes yeah rahul i have a question for you so what we are missing right now is a spark in the team someone to create chances and now eriksen is probably leaving in january and the thing is like he's been offered to arsenal as well what if arsenal say instead of paying you 15 million or 16 million pounds you guys take ozil and give us eriksen do you think that would fit in or there's one more th- rumor of isco coming in do you think any of these would matter this year or will they fit in will conte use them or will it be another eriksen situation all over again yeah i don't i don't really see uh, if you bring in ozil that's even even more this guy that even runs even well i wouldn't say eriksen doesn't run much but the intensity is definitely even half of uh, Ericsson I think that will be of a even bigger issue as it was you know older as well now he's like 31 I believe 32 years old so he's definitely not, not the right fit for a Conte I would pay good money to see like the back behind the scenes of that of Antonio Conte telling Ezel to run but I don't see that happening Isco same although Isco is more of a a ball carrier more of a dribbler compared to Ericsson um so he could be a bit more useful than Ericsson because uh, Eriksen relies solely on on his you know ball playing ability and passing which you know we've seen that maybe we need a little bit more in that position we need someone that carries the ball a bit more takes a few more risks beats a man but i don't know if you yeah, i'm not sure i agree with you that we need a a creative outlet really because you know in terms of goal scoring where we're there i think the balance of the team is just missing i think we need a defensive minded midfielder in there a bit more and it's just there's so many poles every time we play teams like even yesterday it was i rewatched the uh, you know sometimes i punish myself and rewatch matches <laughs> I, i rewatched a little bit of the match but i only i could only watch like the first 20 minutes and then i turned it off but in those 20 minutes the amount of gaps we had in the midfield was both everyone was up to press galliardini goes up went up Vidal went up and um, Barella also went up so when all three midfielders go up to press and then we don't win the ball and there's massive gaps in in midfield so we need here yeah, we need someone that can balance and that's probably why Conte was obsessed with trying to get 
and Golo Kante this summer, um, someone that can be the superhuman runner to cover all those plugs and uh, you know cover those holes. Um, yeah, that's my that's my view on it. But you know, you guys probably maybe have some different opinion on that. So Rahul, I wanted to ask you a question. All right, uh, I just want to know like what has changed from Inter from last season and this season. Last season we had Biragi in the left wing, we had Kandriva on the right wing. They seem more suited to the formation, and Inter were more solid and more solid and more accustomed to Totti's, I mean Conti's tactics as compared to this season. So I don't know. This players have grown more over a season with Conti, and they're supposed to be much more drilled into Conti's uh, formation. What do you what do you say? Like compared to last season, this is what has changed for Conti and what has changed for Inter. Well, it's, it's, it's weird with Conte, yeah, since we, since that meeting that happened in August where, you know, he was supposed to be the one where he was convinced to stay. Everything seems to be very different with Conte. He seems to be, you know, calmer, a bit more, you know, happy. Well, he's never going to be happy chappy, but by Conte standards, he was, he's, you know, a bit more smiling, a bit more positive in general. And his style of football is, is, is you know, he, in the earlier on in the season, I don't know if you guys caught it, but he, in the press conference, he said he'd rather win 4-3 than 1-0. Mm. Like, I've never heard Conte say something like that. Like, Conte, in my eyes, is like, you know, a defensive-minded coach who thinks about not conceding first. Um, and this year, he's trying to turn into, I don't know, like Marcelo Bielsa, uh, Pep Guardiola. I don't know what this transformation that he's going through. And, you know, the formation that we're playing is technically still that 3-5-2, but that... That, that three four one two makes a difference because now we have that one guy who's always up there um, who has to chase every time every time that our pressing fails he's the one who has to make 50 60 yards every time he's left the hole in there um Brozovic also you know in the three four one two it seems like a very small change but he seems lost when he's, he's playing in that mm -hmm. flat four line you when he was playing as the defensive mid in the the three-five-two, you know, the the more traditional three-five-two we played last year. He was a lot more comfortable, um, and yeah, it's just I don't, I'm not really sure in terms of Hakimi. Obviously, Hakimi, we were so excited about him coming in. You know, Hakimi over Kandreva. You know, it was you would say that's like a massive upgrade, but we're not using Hakimi to his strengths. You know, we Hakimi is best served when on the counter attack. You know, when he's got space playing one-twos with him, serving him on the run. But a lot of times we're serving him. He's, you know, so high up. He's next to Lukaku a lot of times. If you look at the average positions we play um, at the end of the matches on, you know, when you look at the who scored average positions and the positions of Perisic on the left wing back and Hakimi on the right wing back, they're all in the same line as Lautaro and Lukaku. So they're basically, you know, playing as, as wingers. So it's... There, there, there have been changes, but they're very slight. But they've made a big difference. And I'm not—I I don't like the style of play that we've had this year. But Conte seems to be very um, focused on this this year, um, and and it baffles me because, yeah, as I keep saying, last year we had the best defense, we had the second best attack in yeah. Serie A. So I don't really understand if there was a need for this change in the, in the style of play and formation. And he's he's, he's sticking to it. I mean, I. I in in my mind, from what he said, we changed the three four one two to accommodate Ericsson. But if we're not going to play Ericsson, what's the point of continuing with the three four one two? What's the point of keep trying Barella and Vidal in that CAM position when they're not CAMs? Like I don't, I don't understand. I'm very, I'm very confused by this. 
Right, right. Uh, so, yeah, permission. So, yeah, so Rahul, uh, along similar lines, I had a question for you. So now the fact that he continues to, you know, play a three-four-one-two, and it's obvious that you know all of us are confused as to why because he doesn't use Eriksen and he either plays Vidal or Barella there, and you know it doesn't really help Vidal. So if that was the case when it comes to the January window, who would would your ideal signing be? Be like, let's say you know. is definitely mm-hmm. gone so who would you get in place of eriksen you know like assuming he continues a 3412 and you know the type of players he loves so who would you get like in realistic in the in realistic terms yeah in realistic terms if we get managed to get rid of eriksen and get you know someone is not alone someone that actually pays money for eriksen around the whatever 16 20 million mark that we talked about earlier i think my ideal player which you know i thought he would have fit in perfectly you know not even yeah just this season but even last season is rodrigo de paul from uh, mm. from udinese i know a lot of interisti have been calling for him i think udinese's price tag of 35 million euros is reported it puts a lot of people off i'm not sure if maybe that could be negotiated down but he is um, he's 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 pretty much conte He's already made for Conte. You know, he's he's an in, he's an all-round midfielder who's you know started off his career as like a winger, CAM, but then he's come a bit deeper as his career has gone on. He's um, last year he had you know the most. Uh, he was one of the top ten in Europe for ball ball carries, um, and this year again he's in. The, I think he's in the top five this year, even even better. Like that guy is carrying Udinese on his on his back. He's um, you know a creative outlet. He's, he's he can score goals. He's he can dribble. He's a really good passer. He can play deeper. He can play the CAM. So, uh, for me, he would be a perfect fit for an Antonio Conte team. You know, he's got that intensity about him as well. He plays. He starts for the Argentinian national team as well now. Um, yeah, I think he's 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 the perfect fit if we if we're going to continue with this three four one two slash three five two. Yeah, and uh, sticking with the transfers, last season we were saying we didn't have the depth. And initially, in one of our podcasts, we were speaking about whether the depth we spoke about the start of the season, which we had, was it just an illusion, or do we actually have the depth that we need to compete? Well, I think it's it's one of those seasons, though, isn't it? With the with the COVID and the injuries, you know, we've <clears throat> saw a start. From the Premier League, which was uh, there's there's been like a record amount of uh, muscular injuries already, and we're not even halfway through the season. So it's one of those years where even though we do have the depth, it's just that you know someone is out with COVID one for two weeks. Like Skriniar was out for like three weeks with COVID. You don't even know how long someone will be out. Uh, then you have you know the Sensi is just you know the glass man. He you don't even know you don't even know when you can rely on him. Is even even when he's fit, he's not fit. um you know you have nangolan we don't know what's going on with the nangolan situation he was you know supposed to be you know he had a good season with calgary last year i think he had seven goals and six assists or something like that um and you know conte said in the past that he wanted nangolan at chelsea and you know in in when you think about it nangolan is like a conte type player so you think he is perfectly he would have been great for conte but conte team to fire some shots at him like a couple of weeks back where they asked him about Nangolan and he said yeah you can see his condition so it seems like maybe Nangolan we know his reputation about not being the hardest worker and you know model professional and he obviously wanted to go back to Cagliari so maybe his uh, he looks like he's not really 
putting the work in the in the training ground. So that's you know insane in Angolan, you're already minus two there from the depth. So in theory, we should, yeah, we had the depth, but maybe with the COVID injuries and these issues, it seems like in the end we don't really have much depth. And then we know the striker position that's uh, is confusing why we still haven't signed you know a real alternative to Lukaku. Obviously, we were kind of forced to bring back Pinamonti. It was that we had that gentleman's agreement with the with Genoa. Uh, but you know, clearly we need someone that can provide an alternative to Lukaku, someone that you know provide a plan B. And um Alexis Sanchez as well. It seems like he's not really a second striker anymore. I think he's more of a, a CAM as we've seen against Torino. And then we came on against Fiorentina. It's he doesn't have that goal threat about him anymore. So with, when Lukaku or Lautaro are injured, yeah, we really, really missed the, the alternative. So, yeah, in the end, maybe the, that depth we all talked about in the end probably wasn't, is not really there. And uh, recently, Giroud's name has again popped up for the January <laughs> transfer window. Do you think he'll be an addition or you just don't want him here? No, yeah, Giroud, I think would be perfect. Though, but yeah, there's been so many transfer windows now that we've been linked with him. So maybe this one might be finally the one where he comes in. And yeah, clearly at Chelsea, he's not getting any game time. But yeah, for me, Giroud, he knows the Conte system. He's played on the Conte. He's one of those guys that's, you know, I want to say happy to sit on the bench, but he, he, you know, he knows how to play his role in a team. He knows he's not going to be starting all the time. And he's better. I mean, Lukaku has improved his holder play and, you know, everything. But that's not his natural game. Whereas Giroud... The holder play, you know, playing back to goal, trying to link up with the, you know, headers and nod downs. That's, that's Rude's like bread and butter. And, you know, he's, if we're going to play the cross inshallah game that a lot of times we end up playing, he's, he's perfect for that. So, yeah, I would, I would be happy to bring in Giroud. Manish, what are your thoughts on the transfer window? Like, who do you want to see in January to come to Inter? See, that question is now, the million-dollar question is, should Conti stick with the same formation, 3-5-2? Because when you saw in the second half, when you went to a four-man defence, apparently Inter seemed to be much more of a team. And like I said uh, last week, when uh, we saw like Bastoni, Skriniar and De Vrij, all three play a four-man at the back when playing for the national team. So they are used to that system. So I don't know how Conti might take this. Uh, this might be a turning point. Because uh, during Chelsea, also, he was very much, he started off with a four-man defense. And later on, I think he had a big trashing by Arsenal or something like that, which he then made him shift to a three-man defense. So th possibly this could be the game where he realizes maybe the system's not working anymore. It's being ineffective. If Conti shifts to a four-man defense, and that will completely change the whole scenario of what uh, players we can sign, what not to sign, which I think is highly unlikely. Conti's going to change, but I just hope uh, he learned something from that game uh, because Inter really seemed in uh, good shape in a four-man defense. So talking about the players, I think we have to offload a couple of players first before we sign new ones, like people like Pinamonti. I don't think he's going to even start, but he's earning a hefty 2.5 million salary. That, that's insane. Uh, players like Ningulan, if you're not going to use him, might as well ship him out. Don't care for free transfers because absolutely no point keeping him on the bench. And apparently, I've seen a video, I think, last week where mm. uh, Nain Golan was doing some training sessions. I don't know, was it a, <laughs> a real video or was it a fake video? I don't know what. It was like completely, uh, it was like, I think, over the cones or something. Uh, Nain Golan seems completely out of shape. So 
players like that have to be shipped out first because they are a bad influence for the team. And then, based on that, yes, Eriksson comes a big scenario. Should we keep Eriksson? Should we sell him? I don't think Conde is going to use him anymore this season. So the best alternative would be to sell him. Swap deal, that'd be great. I like Rodrigo De Paul, but again, I think once we get him, the Conde is going to complain. He doesn't have that championship champion mentality. Like he just came from Udinese and stuff like that. You know the actual Conte banter. He normally says that from time to time. So the question is, who does Conte exactly want? Con, I think Conte wants a player like Angolo Kante. But will we get him this January season? That seems impossible. So one obvious signing is Giroud. Yes, we're going to get a good centre forward as a backup for Lukaku. The second one should be ideally a good creative midfielder. So if you ask me, I would go for Isco. Isco for uh, Ericsson, a direct swap. I don't think any other player. I hope we don't swap him for Arsenal like you said, uh, Ozil. I forget Ozil. I think uh, more realistic option was looking at Zaka, I think. Uh, uh, the, he was rumoured last week. Grand Zaka for... Grand Zaka is more like a defensive player, a defensive midfielder and a distributor. I hope we don't get him. And saying that, I think we should get definitely one good backup centre-forward, uh, all-round midfielder like Rodrigo De Paul or Isco, and a proper left wing-back. I think... Uh, uh, Ashley Young has been ineffective and we don't have proper count on the left side. So these three are, should be the main priority. Yeah, but uh, also we know that Conte might cry if you get DePaul and say that, no, this is not the player that I wanted. But we have been listening to him now. We have got players that Conte wanted. And I don't, I don't see any improvement from last season. We have gone below last season, like the way we are creating chances, the way we are playing, it's not up to par than what we were doing last season. So do we still have to listen to Conte? Or does Marotta or Zanetti just say, like, no, these are the players we want, you work with them? No, so Gautam, I think that was done last season where Marotta and Zanetti or Zhang, they were in charge pretty much. And then they had a big crunch meeting at the end of the first season of, of Conte. Conte clearly told, back me in my plan. So pretty much this season belongs to Conti. We might send a couple of more mid-30 players. Don't be surprised with them. So it's pretty much Conti has a free run. We cannot sack him. We cannot do him because I think he has a hefty wage bill. So pretty much this whole season is going to be Conti's vision. So we might sell Ericsson. We might sacrifice Ericsson for a defensive-minded central midfielder, which Conti wants so badly. So pretty much Conti is going to dictate this whole season. And I think the end of second season is where... The whole again, we might have a big board meeting to decide where we went wrong and things what we could have done better. But as of now, completely Conti's on the steering wheel. He's steering the direction which direction Inter goes in at the moment. Uh, Parmeshwar, so the weekend away to Saswalo now, and they are also in top form right now. Yeah. Do you have any hope for us after a performance against Real Madrid or? Serie A is a different ball game altogether. So, yeah, I mean, you know, coming off that Madrid game, this Sassuolo game is not going to be easy at all. You know, we've, if you've been watching Serie A, they've been magnificent so far. You know, uh, Deserbi has been playing the same sort of football, but, you know, with def- better defensive capabilities this time around. And, yeah, you know, they look so much better on a whole. Like you, have, you have talented players like Jeremy, Boga, you know, Manuel Locatelli. Personally, Locatelli is one I would try for in January if possible, even though he's not the most, he's not a proper defensive midfielder per se. But, you know, 
as rahul mentioned before you know we need a proper ball carrying midfielder you know who can who, who's who's press resistant and i think locatelli has actually developed his aspect of that game so i would take him but yeah coming back to the match yeah this one's going to be really tough man because i i mean see we've seen our defensive frailties so far right you know we play a high line and we get exposed and then sassuolo is known for that they you know the fast fluid football and they will press you they won't necessarily uh, you know leave gaps for themselves you know you have domenico berardi who scores literally every time he plays against us you have caputo coming back from injury and last season he was amazing so yeah this is going to be yeah, a tough match i don't think we'll be winning this but yeah yeah, yeah like let's see i mean because i think if we lose this then yeah, like our whole season go becomes a proper mess right in the champions league there's no like we have to win the remaining matches and then seria you keep slipping further and then you know you have teams like roma who people didn't think would do as good as they are right now so yeah it's a tough fun but uh, as you asked me gautam i would like to further extend this question to rahul like you know if i, I read a certain journalist saying this uh, after, recently but i don't think it it was it was a realistic thing they said that you know if conte was sacked let's say after the europa league uh, final or let's say he were to leave in the future inter should consider getting roberto de zerbi so what are your thoughts on that as a whole no the i think you know is is one of those it's one of those ones where it's like you know they play they play nice football you know they they're very you know exciting young team to watch so obviously he's one of those coaches that you know will be there but he's not you, you know if you go from spalletti to conte and then to the derby like that just seems like you know you don't have a like what's the what, what project are you trying to have this mm-hmm. is like you know uh, you going for a young team now then like the the derby would fit you know a project like milan more you know a team mm-hmm. that's trying to build around young players you know a different style of play i think with inter we're trying to go we're trying to win trophies again so you have to go with the profile of a of a winner you can't you can't take a gamble on a young young italian coach like the derby who i i'm a big fan of but you know just because i'm a fan of him doesn't mean i have to you know want him at inter um you know same same goes for pochettino he's been also mentioned by inter fans but you know i think you have to go if you if conte goes you have to go for someone that's you know the same or higher level in terms of you know trophy winning so allegri that's why allegri is the one that i would want i think most inter fans want he's the one that's tailor made for for the job pretty much he he's picked up the pieces from conte in the past at juventus when uh, he left in a hissy fit there because they didn't sign him manuel iturbe or quadrado i can't remember one of those guys um, so yeah, yeah. <laughs> Allegri is the is the perfect man for me. I don't think that Zerbi is the one, but mm-hmm. yeah, as you said, he's doing a, a great job, and yeah, <laughs> not looking forward to that match against Sassuolo, <laughs> who are known to be Inter's bogey team over the bogey years in team. general. So right now, it's it's not a good time to play them when they're the probably the you know them them and Roma are probably the two most informed teams right now in Serie A. So adding to what Rahul said I just want to say about Allegri so Allegri seems definitely the perfect fit uh at what point do we all decide like okay this is the time it's gone he's done because I think he has one more year left in his season so and pretty much I don't know I just have general thought about Conte's I think football has evolved over the years much more like people like Mourinho is struggling to build up with the current uh, fluid football like how uh, Klopp is playing or Guardiola is playing 
I think Mourinho slightly learned to adapt at Tottenham. Do you think like uh, Conte is going to adapt his football over the years? Because I think this tactics, the, like a solid three-man, three-five-two formation, was good like maybe a decade ago or five years back. But now, currently going forward from here, do you think like to start defensive football? Uh, not exactly defensive. I mean like stuck stuck on the tactics uh, properly, like. Not freely, like Zidane or Klopp or Pep Guardiola. Football is more fluid, more free. So, Rahul, do you think like Conti has to evolve, uh, or pretty much, uh, if he doesn't evolve, he'll, he'll be outplayed, like like Mourinho. Mourinho's tactics didn't work at Man United, and I feel he has changed quite a bit coming to Tottenham. So, what do you think, uh, Rahul, on that point? Uh, I don't know. I don't. I don't think so because Conte is the one. Like, if when you think about it now. This is the most, I think I read a stat as well regarding three-man defences. This um, Most teams in Europe now are starting to adopt the uh, the three-man defence. It's quite, it's a bit of a shift before it used to be, you know, the four-man defence was the majority and three was like, the, you know, the exception, especially when Conte went to the Premier League after he changed the Chelsea formation to the 3-4-3 three, three or whatever it was. There was a lot, there was a shift afterwards and then even England afterwards in the World Cup 2018 ended up playing with the three, three, five, two formation. So he he definitely had a big impact to Conte um, in England in the Premier League, and a lot of teams, you know, Chelsea still sometimes revert back to that formation. I mean, Arsenal nowadays play with three at the back, um, Man United as well. So it's I wouldn't say, and in terms of you said Conte needs to evolve. I think he is trying to evolve. You know, he's as I was saying earlier, he's talking about all this attacking football now. He's he's made an Instagram like he's. I think he's trying to like rebrand his image a little bit from from what he used to be. Um, I think at Chelsea he was definitely known to be a very defensive coach and a Juve as well. But I think now he's he he's talking about you know attacking football, but it's it's not the most it's not the most eye pleasing football that we see. But we're definitely not defensive, so he needs to be. He's he. There was an interview where I saw he was talking about you know the coach needs to be like a tailor who, uh, you know, mm-hmm. tailors the suit to his team. But I never, I don't really see him doing that. He's the, he's like, you know, trying to hammer the team into this three, five, two, three, four, one, two. So I think he needs to listen to his own words sometimes. Yeah. He needs to be a bit more adaptable to situations and players, but yeah, I'm not sure about evolving. I think, yeah. I mean, even Mourinho, you mentioned, I think he's, he's still playing the four, two, three, one, basically still at Tottenham that he was playing for many years now. I think it's just, um, you know, sometimes it just takes some time for players to adapt to the system. I think Man United was just, it's just a toxic environment. Um, I think it just, you can see even with Ole, with anyone that's come there, Van Gaal, Moyes, anyone that's come there, it's just a, a toxic hole. Um, but yeah, with Conte, I think, I think it's more about him adapting and more than evolving. You mentioned that uh, Conte has been talking about attacking football and different strategies. So do you think he's conflicted in his own mind as to what to do and that is affecting the results and the way he's training the players? Yeah, because they, they asked him uh, yesterday, I think Fabio Capello asked him in the Sky Sports, they asked him like, you know, your, your team's conceding a lot of goals and, uh, you know, do you feel like you maybe need to change formation? And yeah, he was, he was he's still stuck to his ways. He was like, yeah. We might be conceding a bit more, but we're, you know, we score, we're top scorers in Italy right now. So he's, yeah, there seems to be a bit of confliction there, like from the Conte that we, everyone knows that, 
you know, he would adapt his tactics to make sure his team is solid first to this Conte who's like, seems to be obsessed about, you know, trying to overload the box and trying to outscore the team. So it's, yeah, it's, it's very, it's very confusing. I'm not really sure where this shift has come from. You know, I don't remember him speaking like this last season. So uh, Rahul, I just uh, like to ask you about something what related to his press conferences. You know, a lot of times of late he's been talking about how Liverpool trusted Klopp with their project. You know, he's obsessed. So with that. <laughs> yeah, he's 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 brought that up a lot of times. So my question here is that you know, if you had the chance to trust Antonio Conte with such a project, you know, like actual four years, like let's say you know an extension beyond his three-year contract, would you do that? Because you know we've seen we know what conte is like and we know what klopp is like you know we know their differences you know what we know the changes klopp made to liverpool he was clear with his vision and you know we saw them they won everything like possible now so do you think conte is someone personally if you had the you know part to make that decision do you, would you trust conte with such a project like would you you know let, let's say this season isn't successful as well like you know we don't win anything but we probably do the same thing would you give him another would you let him have his final year and probably you know buy into his uh, talks of you know it being a project and maybe even extend his contract on that basis no <laughs> um i think with conte i'm i'm ready like yeah i'm ready for a three year project i don't like you know ending if it's, if it's, if it's not going well maybe you can end it but i would like to see a three year project but we've never seen with conte he's never stayed somewhere that yeah. long so and then we also know what he does to squads. We know we know the squad that he left to, to at Chelsea was like you know you're there. We have like Danny Drinkwater and Alvaro Morata, Zapacosta. You like the next manager is like what the hell am I gonna do with this? You know, like 15 wing backs. Yeah. Um, and here the problem with Conte compared to Klopp is he's he tries to be like the sporting director of the team. It's like mm. he you know he he wants specific players, and he, you can clearly see like. With Klopp, uh, you, uh, from what I've read, it seems like there's a bit more of a, a team in there the yeah. where you know they look at the analytics and stuff and they, mm. they see what types of players would fit into the Liverpool high pressing gig and pressing system. But with Conte, it seems like you know he he, he points to players. You know, I want Victor Moses, Ashley Young. Like he's got these specific players that he wants, and he he usually ends up getting. But it it doesn't work for a long term. You know. Mm. You can't. Uh, I wouldn't. Yeah, I wouldn't trust Conte with a long-term project. But I'm happy to give him three years, just because of how desperate I am for Inter to come back to you know winning trophies. And I, you know, I know it's not going well right now, but I was happy when he was appointed, and I'm happy to still. I'm not. I'm still not Conte out. Mm. Yeah. So for the weekend. What is your starting lineup going to be? Like, who do you want to like? Brozovic is back, so would you start him immediately, or would you bring him on as a sub or something? Yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure about Brozovic starting here because he he's only I think today he's right tested yeah. negative, right? So yeah, I'm not sure. He probably I'm not. I'm not sure he's probably trained last few days, so I'm not sure he would be ready for to start. Um, but we probably do need a bit of rotation because obviously straight after that on the is it the Tuesday or the Wednesday we have Munch and Gladbach again. So yeah, it's important that we we don't play the exact same formation. So a little bit of rotation would be good to see. You know, maybe D'Ambrosio coming in to the right centre back position. Um, I would like to see maybe Damian coming in for Hakimi. Hakimi mm. looks like he's 
his morale seems to be quite low at the moment. It's not quite worked out yet, that transfer, which is, you know, I was super excited about that transfer, but it's not really worked out. Um, so, yeah, I would like to see um, Damian coming in. I would like to see Sanchez being given a, a start again because he was, he was good against Torino um, in the second half. He wasn't good in the first half, but no one wasn't good in the first half. And I hope to see, you know, Vidal, you know, I guess kind of punished. You know, I, I heard he's going he's gonna to be fined by the club, which is, is quite right. But, yeah, because uh, if it was, if let's say... Um, Ericsson or Sainsi or someone you know younger made that mistake they would have been out of the lineup but we know Vidal is like Conte's, Conte's son and he'll be straight back into the lineup but I don't want to see that I want to see you know Conte you know showing that you know these kind of things are not allowed to happen although we are kind of short in the midfield but I don't know hopefully you know Sainsi we saw he had 20 minutes at the end of the match there against Real Madrid as well so maybe I'm not sure if you want to risk him from the beginning against his old club. Um, I, want, I would like to know more about the Nangolan situation. Is he really that out of shape that you know he can't start any games? He can't be given 50, 60 minutes. Uh, Ericsson, I would like to see him play, but it looks like you know he's out of the squad. So I would go with um, you know D'Ambrosio, De Vrij, uh, Bastoni at the back, um, and then in midfield I would probably. Um, try to go, go with the Barella, but also Barella needs a rest because he's played every single minute for us and for Italy in the international break. Yeah, it's very difficult at the moment. Um, so I would go with Barella, give Sensi a start and see, you know, if he has like 60, 70 minutes in his legs. Um, and then I would like to see Sanchez as well starting in that that CAM role, but Conte said he's never going to do that from the beginning. So I'm just giving you my lineup, but this is not going to be the, the lineup. So I would like to see um, Barella, um, Sensi, uh, Sanchez with uh, Lautaro and Lukaku up front, and um, Damian and um, um, Ashley Young, because um, I don't think Perisic is a wing back. I don't, I don't really like seeing him in that position. So you spoke about rotation as well, but so you're still keeping hope up for Champions League round of 16. Well, I think as an Inter, if you're Inter, you have to you have to keep the hope alive. Um, I don't know what you guys' feeling is. I would rather miss out on third spot, but you still have to you still have to rotate, though, haven't you? Like it's um, Sassuolo is not going to be an easy match, so you know Vidal has played a lot of minutes as well. So even in that case, not just for the punishment sake, I would I would I see him, you know, getting tired as well recently. So I wouldn't start him just for that reason as well, because he's he's looked a bit leggy recently. He played every single minute for Chile as well. He's 33 years old. So I'm not sure how much uh, juice he's got left. Uh, so he does probably deserve a rest as well. Barella, he's gonna, yeah, he has he almost has to be starting here we've got no choice um but yeah in terms of the champions league i think you have to if you're into you have to go for it and then you have to see on the on the final match day whether you know you go for that are you where, where are we are we third are we you know challenging for the second spot then i would rather just yeah him in the last match match day if we're not gonna you know challenge for second let's just go <laughs> and crash out the competition so we can just focus on Serie A and Scudetto race rather than because last year we did well in the Europa League because we had that mm. mini tournament type situation where 
we finished Serie A and then we just had the Europa League so there was no two games a, a week to concentrate um, but Conte has proven in the past he struggles with that as well the two games a week the rotation of teams he's always struggled with that the, the European games so I would rather just try to focus on Serie A this year if we're not going to progress in the Champions League try to go for the Coppa Italia properly this year as well that at least one trophy needs to come back to, to Milan this year no AC Milan obviously yeah, Manish, same thing to you. Like, would you rather crash out of the Champions League if you're not finishing in the top two? Would you rather see us bought all together of Europe and concentrate on Coppa and Serie A? Or would you want to fight till the last end? Europa League is fine. So, I don't want to sound a bit uh, negative, but saying that, uh, I don't think it is going to qualify because uh, I think over the last few years, it's been... I don't know. It's like we're always excited, you know, last year we're going to do it, last year we're going to do it. And then when it happens, that's it, the world ends. So I don't want that to happen now. So I'm mentally preparing myself quite earlier that we're not going to qualify. So because Champions League has never been a target. I don't think, uh, I think, yes, Zhang wanted us to qualify to the next group. So that for financial reasons, pretty much that, that's why it has been important playing in Champions League. If you qualify out of the group, you get this extra 15, 20 million, which is very useful at this point for the club. So that is one reason why the club pushing for the Champions League. But saying that once we qualify, hypothetically, once we qualify out of the group, we're going to face the winners of other group. That's Bayern Munich, PSG, uh, Barcelona. So <laughs> I don't want to be humiliated once again, because uh, right now they're in a much better form and much better shape than us. So even though if we qualify, I'm sure we're going to get knocked out in the next rolling run, unless something drastically change, changes within the club. Saying that, okay, that is one scenario. Other scenario is if we go to the Europa League, I think we can win it because this time, funny enough, Sevilla qualified in the Champions League. So they're not there <laughs> in uh, Europa League this time. So now is a good chance for us because I think they are serial winners for Europa League. They've been winning it year in and year out. So this year could be the year for us in Europa League because uh, I'm not very confident on the league and Coppa Italia. I want Inter to win some sort of silverware. I don't mind if it's Europa League. So if you ask me personally, I think, okay, although Europa League would be much of a hassle, but we have a big squad and I think Conti should learn to rotate players. Players like Nain Golan, players like Sensi can get a good run in Europa League or in the league. So we have depth, we have a big depth. So I think we should use more of, more of that, Cotton. Parmeshwar, same question to you. Uh, we, we do need a silverware this season. Like after last season's performance, for me personally, I thought we are going to win Coppa Italia this year. And that was the trophy I was looking for more than uh, the Scudetto because Scudetto might be a bit tough in the second year for Conte as well. But I thought Copa Italia will be our tournament. So if we go down to the Europa League, do you think it's worth to challenge or just concentrate on league and Copa? Uh, you know what Manish and Rahul brought, both brought up interesting points, you know, because what, to what Rahul said in the first place, you know, Conte is not good at managing those week in, games week in and week out. And with Europa League, you play a day later and then still, you know, you have games early on. They don't reschedule it in a lot of cases. So, you know, that could prove to be at our disadvantage. But whereas to what Manish said, you know, you know, if you need every chance you can get to win a silverware right at the end of the day. But so how do you look at it? Because the thing is, let's say if we finish last in the group, you know, let's say 
if we crash out completely you know fans will be even more outraged they would they'd be like you know this is probably one of the worst performances we've had ever in the champions league his, you know the entirety of our history you know they'd be like we probably finished four with what two or three points so they'll still call for his head whereas we still if we manage to claw and get into the europa league at least you know there's that you know there's that sense of there's the thing that you know you're still in a european competition at the end of the day right beat the europa league or something and maybe we can win it you know sevilla and there but you know at the same time you have good teams in there you know you know if ac milan continue their form they are still there you have tottenham hotspur who have great depth in their squad you know they're they're flying in the premier league and i expect them to reach the final at least of the europa league can we beat them i don't know then you have napoli as well so it's not going to be an easy competition so again you know this season the story has been you know i i personally felt that conte still hasn't exactly found his best 11 per se you know he's been overwhelmed with that squad depth so i think that factor could spill over, spill over if you know we were to get demoted to the europa league and we if we had so many games to manage at once so yeah i mean if all in all if i had to pick one option even though it's a harsh one i would take crashing out altogether because then as rahul said you can just focus on the league you know you have the depth for the league play every 7 days you know you can prepare well that's conte strength and then you can bounce back and yeah i mean ac milan are flying you know and juventus are always in the title race you can't count them out but you like these problems right we have right now for the maybe first time in a lot of years they've come so early on right usually it's like january february and it's too late to assess those problems by then the mercato is over but this time we have the window to assess those issues so i think yeah i mean if if it has to be if we if we draw munchen gladbach next week or if we lose then i'm fine i mean as much as it hurts it's okay i mean like then conte can assess and he knows that yeah you know it's all over might as well focus on the league and go ahead with that Yeah, Rahul. Uh, so this one's for you. Parmeshwar brought up an interesting point, wherein like we usually have the interbells effect in Jan and Feb, and uh, now we are sucking in the start of the season as well. Do you think it's a blessing in disguise, wherein like we know our weaknesses now and can approach the January transfer window with much more clarity? Like this is what we need to improve to the second half of the season. Yeah, yeah, so it's a very good point. Yeah, actually, I didn't didn't really think about that. Yeah, it's a bit. Is <clears throat> yeah, usually we start off amazing first by by December, and then we crash down. Um, yeah, I think it could be it could be a, a blessing in disguise. Maybe that we are now we know where we need to address. Like where Conte knows already, you know what he he probably needs to improve the squad. Um, I think this year is a little bit trickier than other years because of the COVID economy and situation. So it, it all depends on whether you know we manage to get um, some money for Eriksson or other players that need to be offloaded. But I think yeah, if we manage to do that, I think it, it could be it could be a good thing where you know by January if our form improves, you know by the winter break, this time maybe for once we might go into January with good form rather than coming down January February on a downward spiral and then trying to save the season again. With this time maybe we go on a upward spiral now where we we are improving going into january and then you know continuing uh, staying you know consistent rather than going down so yeah it'd be interesting to see a new dynamic of the season um uh, rahul i had just one more question for you 
So, you know, uh, you, you've, of course, been following AC Milan and how they've been doing, you know, so well all of a sudden. And, of course, it's been the opposite now. Uh, so, when you look at what uh, Beppe Marotta's initial vision was, you know, to sign uh, young younger players and more Italian, probably like Tonali, and then, of course, Kumbula as well as part of the younger core. And then when you look at what Milan did, you know, somewhat like that, you know, if you see their signings, the... Do you think, like, as a project, you know, do, do you find AC Milan's project on a whole, like, looking into the future, more enticing than what we have at the moment? Because, you know, I, I, I was on board with Beppe Marotta's, I, I, uh, you know, ideas personally, like, completely, Kumbula, Tonali, everything. But then, you know, it's like we've compromised a significant chunk of it for Antonio Conte. And then, you know, as you pointed out, you know, when Antonio Conte leaves a club, the you know the players they are a mess you know you pointed it you pointed it out so as of now do you think if ac milan's project you know the direction they are going in is something you'd rather have than what we have right now well our project i would say is you know trying to win things which i think ac milan's project is what inter's project was with spalletti at the beginning was just trying to get top 4 um so i think i don't think we should get carried away yet with milan you know inter hmm looked like this two years ago on the Spalletti's first season and then the second season as well. It's just, you know, I think things will start to level out later on in the season. The squad is very young. I don't see them staying at this form for the whole full season. You know, with Latan getting injuries here and there as well, I think they will be affected. So I think right now it looks like, you know, the AC Milan's project is definitely, you know, the shining light. But, you know, I think they're, they're trying to do what we did a few years ago. But obviously right now we're failing at the our current project, which is we're trying to win. But I'd rather have the winning project. I think that's what we need right now. Um, you know, uh, when you have a manager that you're paying 12 million net a year, I think you have to try to accommodate his wishes. I wish, you know, there was a middle ground where, you know, it wasn't, you know, every single player that Conte asked. So we get, I wish we could find like a midway point. Um, but, you know, when you have, yeah, as you, as Manish pointed out, though, he has so much power right now with the wages he commands, you know, he's he, he, he has the last say in everything. So it, I wish there was a halfway point, but mm-hmm. I would rather have the Inter and Marotta project, in my opinion. So now, as we interest, you know, we are glutton for punishment. That's why we support the team. <laughs> and we always do a prediction at the end of the podcast. So coming to you, Rahul, first, what is your prediction for the weekend? Like, what would be the final score? Oh, are we home or away, by the way? We are away. Uh, away, I away. Oh. Oof. I mean, yeah, as I said, Sassuolo have always been a bogey team for Inter. And this, I think, Conte and the boys need a result to turn things around. Um, we need a... I would like... To, even if we don't get a win, I need to see a reaction. Um, one of the things I'm worried about with this team, which happened against Torino only in the last, you know, 30 minutes, was, you know, Conte teams are known to be, you know, pressers. You know, the the intensity. That's what the teams are known for, and this we're struggling to see that at the moment. So at least I want to see some signs of life in terms of this team, you know, going out there and playing in a Conte team type of way, and then there's still the dressing room is still behind them. So I want to see that. That, you know, he hasn't lost the dressing room, which is, you know, once you lose the dressing room, that's it. That's uh, the that's the end of uh, a coach's time. So I want to see a performance. I would. My prediction is a two-two draw. You know, both teams are quite, you know, attacking, free scoring. Um, 
Sassuolo are not, you know, they're doing better defensively than they have in the past, but, you know, they are, mm-hmm. at the end of the day, is Vlad Chiriches at the back of the Ferrari, so I'm not, I wouldn't say it's the greatest defence in the world, so mm-hmm. I would say a 2-2 draw I'm seeing at the weekend. Ormetko, on to you next. What are your predictions again? Uh, I'm not very optimistic going into this match because, you know, like as Rahul just said, they're a tad bit more defensively so solid. And yes, even though it's Vlad Kiriges and Gianmarco Ferrari, I don't know. I just feel we aren't in that zone right now. And, you know, I think that's still going to continue for a bit, maybe. So I'll try to be positive, but maybe a 2-1 loss or a 2-2 draw. Manish, on to you next. Uh, so, Parmesh just stole the words exactly out of my mouth. So, I'm, I think Sasura is going to start with a plus one advantage with Berardi obviously going to score. He's going to cut in <laughs> Aryan Robin style and going to give a, I think, 40-yard belter, which Hendana, which is pretty much going to stand stand his ground and of look course. past his post. <laughs> That's pretty much Hendanovic this season. So, not this season, I think, for a long time. So, uh, Sasula is going to win it 2-1 or... On the bright side, 2-2 two, two draw is what I feel this result is going to be, this match is going to be. Okay, so I'm going to take a punt here and say we are going to win 3-1. <laughs> I somehow feel like, because Conte might say anything, we are still Pazza Inter. And when we are down, when we least expect it, the players will, I think the players will play for 90 minutes and will win 3-1. They won't just turn up after 70 minutes and try to recover. I think they'll be proactive this game and I I am betting they're going to win 3-1 this time. <laughs> wow. All right. So, there you have it, folks. This was another episode of Interclub India podcast. Please do follow Uncle Sharma on Twitter. All his links are in the description. Thank you. <laughs>